This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. Hold a second, let me say that again. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. You know why I'm saying that, don't you? Say it again. Because, say it again. It's because we are the Pride of West London. And why exactly are we the Pride of West London? Because we beat Fulham and we beat QPR and we finished above both of them in the league. The West London Mini League, so we are the Pride of West London. So this is the Pride of West London podcast, absolutely and totally, we got the name right. And we've come back home. After going on tour for weeks and weeks and weeks, we've been everywhere, North London, South London, well, not quite South London, actually, uh, West London, Ealing, places I've never seen before, places I've seen before, lots. But we're back home in Brentford, the home of actually this exactly where we were is apparently where Brentford Football Club was born is that not? It was very, very close um, but this is where the season started for us this is this is technically we've, this is called Dykehausen Corner this is where we sat and had our, our, our chat with Dykehausen um, and, and he, had, he had fish and chips we had fish and chips and it obviously went, <laughs> went very well from there and so we, we'll move on from that but look we're, we are at one over the eight pub right by the river overlooking the river beautiful venue they've taken care of us very very nicely lovely boozer lovely place for a bit of sun you know maybe we might come out here in the summer you know when the sun's out actually we're looking for a few places to do a few pods in the summer and actually we might come here sit on the deck and have a look at the boats go by going up the road to fulham apparently isn't it oil ourselves up and um, watch the uh, watch the, uh, the, the 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 river go by yes yeah. that's, right, that's right but anyway look i'm sitting here with my pals in the boozer i'm billy grant and i'm extremely happy today because i've had a completely and utterly bonkers week or 10 days or so but i'm going to introduce you to who i'm sitting around the table with i've got the liberal nick who's very very nervous at the moment now is only one day to go the clocks are ticking aren't they the liberal i'm not i'm not that nervous we beat we beat fulham three nil why would i be nervous and we're top of the west london league we can't be overtaken I'm not nervous. I'm you got, but, top of the world. You've got a job to do tomorrow, I mean, on Thursday, don't you? 
uh, yeah, rub it in my Fulham, my Fulham fan who sits behind me. And today I kept replaying the goals on B's player and uh, winding him up so much so that eventually he stormed out the office screaming, yeah, that was our cup final and we effed it up. I think he's talking about the Liberal defeat in the elections. <laughs> Listen, anyway, obviously you want me to rapidly move on, and I will do, Liberal Nick. He's going to be saving the world on Thursday at a polling station near you. There's more chance of Leicester City winning it than there is of of the Liberals. (laughs) Anyway, Mr Dave Lane, how are you and what have you been up to this week? Anything exciting? Yeah, I'm all right. I've had a, I've had a, it was a, a, it was a very interesting and big mixed and varied long weekend. Um, before the Fulham game on on Saturday, on Friday, I was um, very honoured to be invited to Martin Lange's memorial service, which was held up at up in um, the city. Um, there was there was a lot of um, ex Brentford players and Brentford people there um, from Fred Callahan, the manager Greg Dyke was there the ex-chairman um, then ex-players as Herlock and um, Terry Evans Francis Joseph um, um, Bob Booker um, and, and um, uh, the goalkeeper um, Benstead. Graham Benstead, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had a, had a good chat with a lot of those. Um, just um, Chris Kamara was there. He, he, he gave a really good speech about um, Martin Lange, who, who was our chairman um, from, from the end of, during the early 80s. So, uh, yeah, and then obviously Saturday, big, big Fulham day. That was, that was a magnificent afternoon, wasn't it? And then we, we drank the Besotted Barrel Dry. Um, so we got a, we got a, we've got a barrel of beer to ourselves in the pub. Beer, we, we demolished that. And serve yourself, serve yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then Sunday went up to Manchester, saw above and beyond, and uh, that was an, a, another great night. And then back yesterday, and we're here. Here we are. Very nice. And my little Martin Lange story, actually. I remember when I was at I was at school, college. I mean, we never even had any concession things or anything like that. And I was at school and college, and I wrote to Martin Lange, and I said to him, "Look, I'm at university. I'm at university down in Brighton, and you know, to be honest with you, I've come up, try and come out as much as I can do, but it's a bit expensive." And he just sent to me, and he just basically just gave me this card and just said, "Here you go, mate. For the next three years while you're at university, you can come in for free." So three years of free football while I was there and he, he, he helped to rope me in I'd say so that's my, my loving story about Martin Lang God bless his soul and I'm going to go over to the man the Dutchman here because we brought him back in because he gave us so many figures now and so many facts and figures it just armed us up for the, for the rest of the year so we thought we'd bring him back in to, uh, to have a slightly more relaxed podcast this week the Dutchman how are you? Very well, thank you, William. Very well indeed. And looking forward to not talking about numbers other than perhaps the number three and the number zero uh, interspersed with the words Brentford and Fulham. Um, It's been a cracking weekend. I've never really started to celebrate a victory after seven minutes before. Can't really remember where we killed off a game so quickly and it was really party city onwards from that point well done everyone involved indeed well done everyone and like, as you know we always love to get guests on board on the besotted pride of west london podcast anyone any point of view you could be left right up or down whatever come on to the podcast and we'll discuss things we're here for an hour an hour and a half and we can talk about whatever you want to you may be the same view different view we don't really mind but we've got a friend of ours here mr paul brides otherwise known as people know him as the wanderer paul and he's also knows about Brentford memorabilia, paraphernalia, and and arachnophobia and everything like that. Paul, how are you doing? Hello, mate. Nice to see you. First time here, so it's a bit nervous, but we'll see how we go. Um, I think it was a good game on uh, Saturday. It reminded me of uh, 1992 all again, all over again. It wasn't quite the 4-0, but I think the 3-0 sort of uh, 
showed us how good we are and how poor Fulham are. I mean, and like I said, don't be nervous here. I mean, you're, you're amongst friends here, and like I said, you're on Dyke House and Corner, so you should be feeling at home here as well. You can eat with your hands, you can eat with your, your anything else that you want to, you can do what you want to. But listen, Paul, I understand in your memorabilia kind of vibe, you proper geekster on the memorabilia front, there's a little World War One story that, that you were telling us about earlier. How does that go? Well, I think over the last few years, I've been trying to look through the players that obviously passed away and gave their lives during World War One. Um, there's never been much written about it. So I've been beavering away, researching, researching, and earlier in the season in the whole city programme, there was a bit on the 1914-15 season, which looked back at all the players that appeared in the season. Uh, also part of their war service, if any of them wore the colours. And then in the back pages there were the soldiers that gave their lives and um, I think there was a guy in the Globe that I met on Yeah, there's a guy that came into Saturday. the Globe on, on Saturday and uh, he, he, he came up to me and he said, oh Dave, you know um, thanks for thanks for printing all the um, information in, in the 125 years book um, and he, he said, you know, while I was over there you know, um, trying to find the grave of his his great granddad, he decided to to find and um, you find the graves of the, the two Brentford players that were, were there. And ironically, I I'd, I'd arranged to meet Paul to meet Paul in there because I, I I to give him his memory stick back, which I forgot. Um, about a year and a half. And and the two of them got talking. Yeah, and the gentleman uh, went to a cemetery in Belgium called Lissenhoek. A military cemetery and in the cemetery there's uh, James Greken who was killed and also George Kennedy who was killed and George Kennedy is probably the soldier or the Brentford's player former Brentford player that has probably got the most um, bravery medals he's got the DCM distinguished conduct medal and the military medal and that was with the Canadian infantry absolutely amazing so I mean like I said to you we give you all sorts of outlooks and then you live a lot of things if you read the Pride of West London podcast you can check out Paul's stuff as well we'll give you links if you check the article around this one and uh, on this on the audio boom we'll give you all the links to where Paul can get you all his stuff his website you know his Twitter his you know, GPG he's all over the place he is but listen but for me I'm still quite excited I'm on a bit of a come down I've had a mad nine days I've been to nine I've been to five matches in nine days I've actually been to four new grounds in five not in, in nine days four I went up to oh, went up to Hull I've not been to the new Hull Stadium went up to there I went to a place called Needham Market a week ago and a bit ago with uh, Dulwich Hamlet which is an absolute laugh then I went to Bognor Regis last Thursday as well in the the uh, Ryman uh, League One the Ryman Championship semi-final and they, they scored a last minute winner in that one which is absolutely mental day out Bognor Regis is a, it's an interesting place let's just say kind of Brighton is like as it is and Bognor Regis hasn't quite got the development it's, it's not quite the same as well there were Oh, like I say, there was a few characters uh, in the ground. <laughs> you, know you, know, you know what they say? They just say Bugger Bogner. Famous George the George the Third said Bugger Bogner. George the Third, who indeed was in Q, you know Kew Gardens, was built and lived in Kew Gardens for many years. So we're coming round in circles here. Bill. We are coming round in circles. You know, if I, well, I knew the history, I didn't actually say Bugger Bogner when I was there because I was a bit scared to be honest. But <laughs> you know, so it was that. And then um, and where else? Oh yeah, of course we we played Fulham on Saturday. Oh my God, I almost forgot about that one. It was an absolutely brilliant day out. And then on. Monday, I went to uh, Nick Logan, if he's listening, to the Nick Logan country, down to East Thurrock. Um, 
Roman League, um, Roman League uh, playoff final. East Thurrock played Dulwich Hamlet. It was absolutely fantastic day. What a laugh. There's actually loads of Brentford fans there as well. All these Brentford fans supporting Dulwich I've not seen before ever. And they're coming up going, hello, mate. Hello, mate. There was actually a load as well. And also Willow was there as well. Uh, Shaka was there as well. But all these other... There's an Armenian guy that I met, really great. He's moved over to South London. So good day out. Sang for 90 minutes. Unfortunately, Dulwich lost. Thurrock won. Nick was there with the Thurrock people as well. So Nick Logan and his Brentford boys. So there's there's bees on both sides of the coin there. But I tell you something. If you know you you lot you go down to Hampton. I know it's a good crack down there as well. But like I said, non-league football. It's just stripped out all the nonsense that is league football. And you have some proper days out. And I had an absolutely fantastic nine days. The last nine days of madness. But listen, let's move on and let's talk about what happened on Saturday. We've talked a lot about the stuff, but let's go back to the pub to listen to hear what the fans had to say after the game. Only Brentford fans, mind you, because all the Fulham fans, they had a fire drill, they went home early. So we couldn't speak to any of them, but let's listen to what the Brentford fans had to say in the pub after the game. Yeah, I think, I think it was more about the first half today. I think we took our chances, very, very few chances, but we took them all. Second half, we were lively, had plenty of chances, and we wasted them all. But at the end of the day, we got, we got a great result. So uh, happy days, great end to the season in terms of the uh, last home game. So, uh, yeah, very happy overall. So I think the confidence has come back into the team. Uh, I mean, you know, we all feared for the worst when Judge broke his leg and how we'd cope without him. But actually, you know, the confidence is there throughout the squad, never mind, you know, the, the first 11. Um, and that's great to see. You know, that bodes well for next season and, uh, and, and long may that continue, you know. I, I think um, O'Connell showed promise today. I mean, we, we haven't seen that much of him this season. He did play at the, uh, the away game at Fulham, but I thought he'd done really well today when he came on at left back. Um, so, so that's encouraging. I mean, he, he really did look, look, look quite, quite comfortable in that position. Anti-climax. Is, um, is probably the best way to describe it because basically we did the job in the first 30 minutes. Um, I, I suppose in some respects it takes us back to 1992 where we yes. where we destroyed them in the first 30 minutes then as well. Yes. And um, and, and that's in the, the same end as well. Yeah, in the same end, yeah. And um, me being a new roader who sits towards the end of the old hate corner. Yes. Um, you know, I, I got to see all the goals there. It was fantastic. Um, you're disappointed. Not as disappointed as Simon, who sits next to me, who actually did have good bets on Brentford to win 4-0 and 5-0. We talked a couple of weeks ago where you said that you weren't quite sure if there was one player who was playing in defence with he was actually making perfectly timed tackles or whether or not he was just a little bit late and lucky. Yeah, um, it would appear they're perfectly timed tackles. And um, I've, I've, ever since the first time I saw Barbe, um, you can listen back to all the podcasts, I, um, I've never, I've never criticised him. I've always thought he's a, a bloody good footballer. And, um, and I'll tell you what, he was man of the match today. He, he has proven to be an exceptional signing. And, um, and you know, James Tarkowski, who's he? Who's he? I'm a little bit disappointed with a fight for them game. I, I came here thinking, you know what? This is an end-of-season game. It's a nothing game. But it's not a nothing game. It's a local derby. Two teams playing just for pride. Which almost makes not, just... Not, not London Pride, eh? Not London Pride, because that was on Besotted. <laughs> uh, which Billy's keen to get in. But, uh, <laughs> but um, playing just for pride... And that almost makes it more special, right? It's nothing on the game. Two teams going to go at it. But Fulham roll over so much in the first half, it was embarrassing. It really was embarrassing. It was, it was so easy that it, made it, it almost made it hard to get up for it. So were we good or were they just rubbish? Well, I think we were good enough. But they were really rubbish. Were they the rubbishest team that we played? Because we played some rubbish this season, didn't we? I think they were the second rubbishest team. Who was the most rubbish? Milton Keynes, Don's at home. What about Bolton? 
Bolton were... I don't think they were as bad as Milton Keynes or Fulham at home, personally. Okay. Uh, I've, I think Fulham had no... But what makes it worse is that you can get a team of... team of charlatans together if you motivate them enough. You tell them how much it means to the fans. When there's 12,000 people screaming for you, you should be able to put a performance together. Fulham are none of that. I mean, those first two goals... I mean, I'm not, I don't know who the left-back is, but how was it possible for Saunders and Hogan to have so much space? It's, like, it's, it's so easy. It was just ridiculous. And, you know, like, I was almost... I would have preferred a, you know, brace your teeth, goes down for the 70th minute. 90th minute, minute. Yeah, like the QBR game, I hope, you know, and it goes down and both teams fight for it. It was just so easy. It was just... It almost made it boring. And the Fulham fans, listen to this. You're so bad, you've made the derbies boring. <laughs> Three nil to the Super Bees. That sounds very, very good. And I know, like, you know, they might say it's your cup final and all that kind of nonsense. But I'm not being funny, like you know. We came and we played Fulham. They came down there. To be quite honest with you, like I said to you, I had a meeting with you know with a few characters earlier, and they said that the Fulham were absolutely potty for this game because they haven't had anything else really to pay for this season. Final game of the season or final away game of the season. So they're up there in their droves. They've finally sold out their allocation. But they were there, but they didn't really turn up. So for me, I could say 3-0 to the Fulham, you know, in the same way I'll say 4-1 to the Fulham and the 2-1 and all this kind of stuff. But Nick, I want to know, what was really special about that day for you? The intensity with which the team played, in, particularly in the first half, they really looked up for it. And I mean, sorry to put a bit of bring us back down to earth, but I just wonder why the team couldn't have shown the same, even half the intensity at the Rangers game. Because I reckon, you know, if we'd started like we played against Fulham against Rangers, we wouldn't have had the same result. So that's slightly disappointing in our West London league because we could have, playing the way we did on Saturday, uh, we could have easily turned over Rangers and that would have made us really champions of West London rather than just being top of the West London mini league that's going on. Um, but I thought all round, every... every I can't remember, did we make three substitutions? Or Yeah, we did make three. So all, all the players who made it onto that pitch really put in a shift. They were a credit to the club on Saturday. And uh, long may that form continue. See, I, I reckon Fulham players do it on purpose. I reckon just to prove that, or just to, just, to, just to kind of pretend that it means nothing to them, they don't even try. And, you know, they, 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 have, to, they have to start trying because the game... The game we, we won it fair and square, and you know we played them off the park. But you know we all expected a little bit more from, from Fulham. We, we expected it to be a bit edgier and a bit closer. We still would have won it. But the, the, the other thing that stands out for me was speaking to one of the Fulham characters um, before the game, which is on the besotted um, Pride of West London video. Um, which you know, which ch- check that out on the besotted website. Is a is a character that before the game he says it's. Three 0 to Fulham all day long. At when was the last time you were in Europe? Blah blah blah, and all all the Fulham cliches were there in in five seconds, and it was the exact opposite once again. So I you know I think Fulham fans were up for it before the game, but just the players weren't, and I know I'd, I'd be worried for them next year as well. Yeah, I think um, 
if anyone has the opportunity, go on the Fulham website and they've got the full 90 minutes on their Vimeo uh, link and just watch the first eight minutes and you'll be cheering, shouting, screaming, jumping up in the air again because the passion that a lot of the players showed was just superb, especially the young uh, Sergi Canos and Barbe who knew enough headbutted each other. But the, um, the passion that showed in the first eight minutes just proved that they were up for the game. Fulham weren't up for the game. And the embarrassment, I think, from the Fulham fans was showed when they started singing, you're not fit to wear the shirt after ten minutes. Were they singing, you're not fit to wear the shirt, or you, you cannot fit into the shirt when they were talking to a McCormack, maybe? <laughs> I don't know, probably both. But I think um, how Ross McCormack and that Dembele... Uh, are still there I don't know but I think Fulham will struggle next year they'll be probably one of the bottom three I would have thought I think what I really enjoyed this time it's the first time before the game that I thought Fulham are starting to hate us because I think for the previous few games they've really not been that bothered and they still struggle to see us as their rivals they still look to Chelsea and others and clearly we we don't like them very much and I remember talking to Fulham fans last year they're staggered that we sing songs about them every week you know they're staggered that we sing the Diego song every week even when we're not playing and this time walking down to the ground sea and then walking past the Griffin you know they were quite up for it and that was brilliant because that lasted about seven minutes um, I think that intensity that's probably become a bit more of a proper rivalry now they will continue to deny it um, it was a fantastic performance all round Paul's mentioned some of the players who stood out but every single player did well even some of the more you know, maligned, underperforming ones this year. I think all had a great game. They should all be very proud. Um, and I mean, I have to emphasise as well as well because the Fulham players were also. I mean, they put their end up and they said they couldn't handle Brentford at all, especially the intensity that Paul talked about um, and uh, Nick talked about as well. Um, but it's interesting. There's one player for Fulham called Lasse Vigen Christensen. Um, Lasse Vigen, who said we couldn't cope with intensity. <laughs> I want to know if, if Lasse Vigen is a shit Lasse Vibe. Yes, he is. Well, you know, yeah, he is. He is. He's exactly what you just said. Okay, that's what that's what I, that's what I thought. But I, and I think that's basically what he's trying to get across. That I'm not as good as my counterpart. No, and, and the other, you know, the other kind of semi-serious point from this is like they are so far behind us. You know, you know, McCormack and, and Dembele, they're, they're you know, they must be looking to go away from where they are in the, in the summer or over the summer. And you know, they they are years behind us in our development. For them to, 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 to turn around this squad and for them to get expect them to gel for next season, forget it, you know, that's just not going to happen. So we, we're just leaps and bounds above it. And, and if they want to ignore it and pretend, you know, they're, they're still in the you know, Europa League Cup final, then that's going to get you one place and that's League One. Absolutely agree, <coughs> Dave, about, um, about McCormack, who I thought didn't look fit and looked disinterested, really, for most of the game on Saturday. He put in a bit of effort now and again, but for, for what he cost and for what he's on, allegedly, at Fulham, I mean, I reckon that he turned in a disgraceful performance. And if I were a Fulham fan, I'd actually be saying, well, thank you very much, McCormack, off you go, you know, let's get in players who are prepared to pay for the shirt. And just the shit, Alan McCormack. And talking about sort of players that are interested, talking about players that you pay lots of money for, let's look at the inverse of that. I mean, let's look at players like Tom Fields. Let's look at players like Josh Clark. Let's look at players like Scott Hogan. We're looking at these the new breed, it looks like, of Brentford players are coming through. Interestingly, Tom Field has just been uh, given the heads up to go on pre-season tour at Brentford. So they're obviously accepting him to the frame as being a potential first-team player, which is actually very, very... 
So I think there's been about four players from the um, youth setup that's been given the opportunity to train with the first team. I think there's been Ferry, Cole, Field, and uh, Josh Clark is the other one. So it's just looking good for the future. If you've got a good strong 30 there, you've got good strong 30 players. That's including five under 21s. Which is which is great, and again, it's got, you know we're talking about players coming through. We're talking about um, you know obviously um, like I said to you, Scott Hogan, is that, who, who looks like a new signing to us as well. And you know so you've got a new signing like Scott Hogan who's come on. We'll talk about him. You know apparently he's had. Did you know the stat on Hogan? Eight shots. He's had six on target, five goals in the 71 minutes of football he's been on the pitch since the 550 plus days when he's been injured. The only fear I have about Hogan, as I'm sure it won't because we've turned a new leaf, is that by the time the transfer window ends in the summer, there may be somebody sniffing around and willing to pay pretty big money because he is a proven goal scorer now. And, you know, all I hope is that we're not revisiting uh, certain conversations that we had at the turn or the start of the season with Hogan's performance. Although I guess, I guess actually, is he needs another year under his belt and to prove his, he's fully fit and back and solved all those problems. I don't, I don't, I don't see anyone coming in for him at all until he's proved he's, he can, he can put, he can have a season in him. And, you know, he's, he's been exceptional. And that those stats just show, you know, what, what his potential are. And you know we were in the pub, ironically, after the game, demanding at least 50 goals out of him next season, and we'll be di- we'll be disgusted. And that's that's a, that's a great listen, you know. Just the uh, they're the kind of comments that some some people will be chucking at him if he doesn't score less than 50 goals, and he's, he's not fit to wear the shirt. But but seriously, you know, he, he's a he's a man in a hurry. He he he, need, he wants to get his career back in track. Um, and as, as um, Ben, the dog catcher, said in the uh, in the in the video, you know, hopefully he wants to repay Brentford with a little bit of faith. Um, and um, I, I, but I just, I'm just genuinely very excited about what he could do for us next year. And, and again, very, 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 very enthusiastic, very, very, very focused player. Um, apparently, like I said, he had a go at uh, Dean Smith for pulling off at half time. You know, even though Dean Smith said apparently he had an ice pack on his head, ice pack on his leg, ice pack on his back, or something like that. He was all over the place, but he was still absolutely rabid because he wanted to go out there and get his hat trick, like you know, which is you know the kind of kind of thing that you need. But you know, talking about you know, we've talked about those players as well but also look at these other players that are coming through we mentioned them briefly weeks ago but Kirchbaumer who's come from an enormous amount of skip you know what I'm saying and even Goggia um, I mean those two players to me I thought were quite interesting I mean obviously because we were so ahead in the game you could actually sit back and sort of kind of relax and see kind of what they were doing and I thought KK had a good game as well on Saturday and Goggia it's quite interesting he had at times like I said, he was almost like a little bit casual. Like you know what I'm saying, he's like you know. Uh, I think he had a lot of time to. to he had too, in fact, I think he had too much time one, once or twice to think about what he wanted to do. So it wasn't instinctive. He had defenders waiting for him to decide whether to shoot or pass, and he decided to shoot, which weren't brilliant shots. But it was good. It was good to see them both confident and both really, really trying to really trying. I mean, you know, they come un, they come under criticism. Probably rightly in some cases, and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that they you know they've been brilliant players for us yet, but you could see on Saturday that there's there's players in both of them. Uh, you know, Goggia first, I thought it was good the way he switched from side to side was quite good. Um, he looks you know they looked like there was something there. He's still quite young, probably learns he needs to learn not to do a pirouette when there's nobody in front of him. 
and save it when he's trying to beat a man rather than just running in a straight line. But other than that, that was promising. I thought KK clearly a bit of confidence, few games in a you know, in a row, which is you know, perhaps when Nico started to improve. There were some good signs from KK on Saturday. Lovely pass for the second goal, which really set the game there. And all the others as well. You know, you've covered the young lad at left back who got off to a blinding start and didn't look back afterwards. Tom uh, Fields. Yeah, Fields. I, th- I thought he was fantastic. And at the back, Barbe seems to go from strength to strength. Dean looks a better player alongside Barbe than he did with any of his previous partners. You know, he seems to get a partnership. You know, throughout the team, very, very promising. And also, I think you've got to realise the age of the team that finished the game when Sam Saunders went off. I think the age of the average age was below 24, which again, it just shows how good prospects that we've got for the next two two to three years and talking about prospects is interesting as well um i mean i was looking at the team and i was thinking to myself you know i know a lot of people moaning say oh, no nothing's you know it's not been right but the fact is that we've got these players in you're trying to bed them in over a period of time and it's taken a while for some of them probably longer than we expected they expected for that to happen now i was looking back and was thinking when when's kind of the last time we had this when we had a team building session because that team that went up and got to the playoffs last season was built from a sort of kind of nucleus of certain players i look back at it and i thought when do we start creating that promotion winning team and the first season was it was in 2011 and 12 and that's where we brought in foreshaw we brought in Dean, we brought in Bidwell, we had Berahino that year, we also had Niall McGinn, if you remember that, who was getting a load of abuse from people. That season, which is the first season in that league, in Division 1, this is the league below us, so the standard's not in there as high. We actually, and so those players are actually getting to learn the game. We actually finished ninth in that league, just above Bournemouth and Colchester and just below Carlisle and Notts County. And that season, Stevenage played the playoffs. We lost to the Blades, um, Stevenage lost to the Blades who lost to Huddersfield in the final Walsall they missed out relegation second last game of the season knocked, we were knocked out of the LDV remember that by Barnet you know in the semi-final Gary Alexander was the top scorer of 12 goals our average attendance was 5,600 8,000 versus Charlton was the highest home attendance 3,000 versus Muff in the LDV was the lowest home attendance and uh, we touched fourth a few times but we really seventh, eighth, ninth that was our position so what I'm trying to say is that that is a setup season for us in Division 1 and that was a season below us we're not even in the same sort of standard so it's interesting just to know how you know, it is it's almost like a slight parallel as we're going into now what you mean is you want your Brentford back not, no, not at all. I'm just reflecting on what we had and thinking that there seems to be a slight parallel with these new players coming in, learning the game, you know, but just, just but getting in there and having a reasonably decent season where they finish sort of like ninth, tenth fish. Yeah, I, th- I think you need those kind of seasons sometimes. You know, you know just, we, we can't gloss over the fact it's been, it's been a traumatic year as well. You know, we, we, we finished 10th or 9th or 11th or whatever we eventually finish but it's, 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 that's a very very positive end to the season um, we, we've, we've done alright you know and the players looks like they're going to get paid out a nice little bonus if they finish in 10th place I'm glad the Dutchman mentioned Barbe because I don't know who won the man of the match on Saturday but if any, if anybody deserved to it was Barbe particularly for that last minute tackle he was fantastic on it Re- really really good and the person I don't think we have given enough credit for in recent weeks um, since our turnaround is Sam Saunders actually who I think has played a blinder uh, or has been playing some blinding games I don't know don't know quite 
what, what I think he sees himself perhaps as the elder statesman in the club now, the one who's the le- the team leader. He's not the club captain, but he's the team leader. And the performances he's turned in, he's shown the other players what it means to pull on a Brentford shirt. And I actually, you know, we've all had ups and downs with Sam Saunders over the years, but I, I mean, he has proved proven that he is a loyal club servant. And to Sam Saunders, I say thank you very much for what you've done. Mate, here. I think following on from Nick, you've also got to add in. Cormac, uh, since he's come back into the team, you've had two experienced guys that have sort of chaperones the younger guys. I think Sergey Canas has a lot of respect for Sam Saunders, and I think players like Nico have shone because of McCormack's there. Players like KK probably have shone again because of McCormack's there. It's just rubbing off from the experienced players onto the younger players or the players that have just come in this year from Europe. Maybe we just need to redefine what our expectations are of these players, rather than thinking they they've got a massive future. As actually, you know, as, as the players, they, what they actually bring to the team is their experience and 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 being able to bring on and nurture the young talent. So it's a, it's about probably taking the pressure off of, of some of the some of the younger players, rather than expecting them to be the, the you know the, your stalwarts for the next five years. They've got they all got parts to play, and I think um, I think. Saunders, as you say, I think you know we've actually que- we actually questioned it on the podcast um, back in you know, back back a few back in January whenever it was he signed an extension. But you know, obviously Smith's got faith in him, and he his first goal, you know, that little dink over the keeper, it was it was sublime. And you know, I could what, what I, 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 I yeah, old Gasmic. I, I will I will not ever tire of watching her goal. You know. It's coming to end of season. So, you know, when it comes to the end of season, we normally get interested not only about what's happening in the Brentford camp, what's happening everywhere else. Who's going up, who's going down, who's winning leagues, who's getting relegated. We look at Blackpool one minute, Doncaster safe. Next minute, they look like they're getting relegated. Blackpool are all right. They look like they're getting relegated. Sheffield United, yet again, they're staying in Division 1. How long that's going to last for? There's all sorts of stuff going from who's going to win the race out of, out of Brighton and Borough and... and, 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 um, and, 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 and and yeah, and Leicester, and Brighton, and Borough, and the third team, and and and, 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 and well, there, Burnley are up. They've, they've won that one already. You know, so, so it's Brighton and Borough. So, you know, so who's going to win that? You know, all this stuff, and it's really quite exciting for us when we, we don't have to worry about not going down or anything like that at all. So, which is kind of cool, but it's interesting because as well, something sort of kind of hit you. An interesting news sort of kind of came out this week that Bournemouth. A lot of respect for Bournemouth. They did very well last season. They came out from their annual accounts uh, last year, 2014-2015, that they actually got fined £7.5 million FFP, financial fair play. So here we go again. We're coming, not we're trying to, because we don't want to have a whole accounts chat as well, but it just goes to show you the, the, the rules that would be broken to try and, you know, to reach the promised land and so on and so forth. And, you know, Bournemouth got £7.5 um, for financial fair play. We'll also talk about Leicester as well in a minute because they've done absolutely fantastic. Um, there's rumours going around about them that they didn't quite play by the book and they probably spent a little bit more money in the year that they went up they, they meant to. So they might get fined if they ever come back down again in financial fair play as well. But then you've got to look at the teams who obviously did the gamble and it didn't work out. Teams like Blackburn. They tried it and they got, they've been banned for two or three sort of transfer windows, can't buy anyone. Forest is another team. And, of course, our friends Fulham down the road as well. But, you know, the argument is that they tried to spend their money, spend a lot. You know, Ross McCormack didn't, didn't cost 50p. He's on a lot of money, so it didn't quite work out for them. Guys, I mean, just quickly, we're not going to have a finance argument, but, you know, with the lie of the land here and also we'll have a little bit of chat about Les and Nick. 
you, you, uh, Leicester gambled and they came in big time. And really, I mean, having dep- talked the big subjects of the week last week was very depressing. This week, the big subject of the week in football is Leicester winning the uh, Premiership, the Premier League. Uh, sorry, not the Premiership, the Premier League. And full, full credit to them because it was brilliant to see see them do it. Um, they're obviously a team of hard-working professionals. And let's not forget that actually they're a team recruited on stats. Um, Leicester's scouting division and stats people require a lot of praise too because they went and sought out people like Jamie Vardy coming up from long league football but then there are also the players plucked from the second division of playing in France somebody from Algeria they they looked all over to make sure that they got the players from the right place and what we'll emphasise again is that the article that we wrote a couple of weeks ago on the scouting system of Brentford and also looking at other teams as to what they do what we did discover is that we're not the only team that uses stats absolutely everybody else does the other thing is that everyone else just shuts up about it but the whole world knows we do it and we're the one that gets the piss taken out of us so there's a bit of a level playing field out there and Leicester have done it but everyone's saying they're the absolute geniuses because they've done this and it's a wonderful world but actually they kind of do this well they do the same things as us but people don't really know about it but Nick but the one thing it does do is it gives us hope to everybody who supports a small and I'm holding my fingers with inverted commas here club you know that actually we too could rise up to that position you know we'll probably need to move into a new stadium to do it I would suggest but once we get into Lionel Road just over the way here the sky's the limit no reason and I'm going down the bookies tomorrow to put my money on Brentford being Premier League champions in 2021-22 you know you heard it here first yeah I'm <laughs> It's, it's, what we're hearing is what kind of spin you, you stick on your story. It, it's, uh, what kind of spin you'll be using on Thursday? You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Well, you know, they, 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 they say cheats never prosper, but it, it, defa- it depends what you consider cheating. Um, you know, they, they, they've all bent the rules. You know, QPR bent the rules. They weren't punished when they come down. There was talk about massive fines for them breaking their FFP. They, they got they got a transfer ban slapped on them. Um, they sold a player. They're, they're, they're trading again. You know, it, it there 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 are people that are bending rules. Bournemouth obviously included. And if it pays off, then all well and good. And if the, the spin on their story is a, a you know a romance fairy tale one, then no one's gonna no one's gonna condemn them for doing it. Um, if you're if you're Fulham. And your 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 shit, <laughs> yeah. Then then you know then then it's gonna you're gonna look stupid for doing it. But you know, you, it, 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 well, so you know, Dave, what do you, 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 you want us to do? I mean, Dave, you know, are you saying that Leicester's Leicester's victory then is tarnished and we no, should not, not really? We should, we, it's no, not it's we, not quite the fairy tale that everybody makes out. I think I think everyone fight every 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 club and every business will find a way to skirt around the rules and they they they, they skirt around it there's talk about them marketing through a, a subsidiary company and like that, that, everyone will see the rules and then they'll find a way to cheat i think the fact is again with Leicester, not 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 you know giving tipping out or anything like that let's just put it in black and white what they probably did is that they cheated the rules to get into the premier league as they've done, you know, so they've got out and they said, right, we're going to go for it. They spent the money and they got in the Premier League. But the reality is that it's still the money that they spent over a period of time is still minuscule compared to your Man United and your well, Chelsea and everything like that. And that's what makes it, you know, the story. And, and, and the thing I'm going to say to you is that you've, you can imagine that Man United and them lot have been spending that money for years. The same time when Leicester is in the lower division, 
with a lower um, you well, know, income. The that highlights that exact point is that under Louis van Gaal, that that Man United have spent more money than Leicester have in their 130-year history. So that shows you the disparity between the two incomes. And you're telling me that Man United and Liverpool aren't bending the rules too? Even, you know... Yeah, just backing up what the guys have said before, that yes, well done Leicester City. Yes, they've played the system to their advantage. Bournemouth have played the system to their advantage. Unfortunately, as you say, the Forest, the Blackburns, the Fulhams... I've not played this. I've played the system, but it hasn't worked out for them. It does make you wonder whether FFP is working, whether FFP needs to have a different way of punishing teams, maybe a points deduction instead of a, a money, a figure of money. I mean, Bournemouth got 7.6 million or whatever it was. QPR's never been settled. Leicester's never been settled. And I think maybe the point system is probably a way to go. And also, getting the FA Premier League to back the football league which I don't think will happen but it's the way to it's got to be the way forward and then everyone can play on a, a level field it's a system that only punishes you when you fail so it's saying you can be you can be crooked you can bend the rules and if you succeed you get away with it only if you fail you get you get caught and I think it just you know without going on to the numbers but again with a turnover circa 10 million of hours you know this puts the numbers into perspective you know, you're talking 40 odd million pound. That's the gamble. You know, an extra 40 million pound for finishing bottom. 150 million it's worth for Leicester. You know, potentially for winning that league this year. Our turnover is 10. We got a deal this week from Andre Gray that and Tarkovsky that's somewhere between two and three and a half, depending on the point of view. You know, that represents an extra 25, 30 percent of our income. You know, that you can't plan for, or you can't budget for, or you can just hope for. And you know, the, the numbers involved, as we touched on, are just off the scale. If you're a successful bank robber. You never get you never get caught, and you spend your retirement days in the sunny hills of the Bahamas or wherever, enjoying enjoying the sunshine. If you're a shit bank robber, you come from Fulham, say, you end up crawling around in the bottom of some you know swine heap somewhere in West London. So season's almost ended, and season's almost ended. We're already talking about next season. They've announced the pre-season friendly days. I'm not going to go through all of them because you can check the Brentford website or on Twitter or something like that. We're playing Wickham and, as per usual, we're playing Boreham Wood. We always play Boreham Wood. But what's more interesting is the fact that Brentford are back in Germany to reenact the Uwe Rosler era where we decided we're going to go on a proper pre-season tour proper pre-season tour and we went over to Germany and a whole load of Brentford fans went over to Germany so check on this as well we might tag a little video that we did before we used to do the old Brentford videos we had this little video that we did of uh, when we went out to Germany a few years ago it was an absolutely brilliant brilliant laugh so this year we're playing VfL Bochum which is a team in the second tier of the Bundesliga so in the same league as St. Pauli and all sorts of other teams as well. And uh, they get about 20,000 at home, to be fair, as well. well. I actually bumped into some Bochum fans when I came out, I remember, of the station in, uh, in Germany, in, in Dortmund in 2008. And they were there, absolutely brilliant guys, and they were just handing beer out to everyone because they'd just been promoted. So it should be an absolutely great laugh, so I don't know what the score about it, but 13th of July, put it in your diaries, about three days after the Euros final. So uh, when England uh, come off the, uh, the Euros final in Paris and everyone trails back, they can go straight over to Bochum you hope but anyway guys 
pre-season friendlies in Germany. I'm just wondering, you looking forward to it? Where are you going? Um, Brentford apparently had a tour of Germany, as we know, a tour of Germany, which Lady will talk about, which is quite interesting. Back in the day, I'm hoping that kind of activity doesn't go on. But listen, pre-season the tour of Germany, Nick. Are you looking forward to it? Have you got absolutely no interest? I have to say that July is a time for me of... Um, cricket. Cricket, yeah. Of Oak on, what was it? What would wi- you say it was before? Willow. Something. Willow. Leather on willow. Leather on willow. I was going to say of stroking the... Yeah, but we won't go there, will we? We won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 actually, I'm afraid to say that you know, I, I think, I, I'm one of those old traditionalists. You know, football, football is a winter game, cricket is the summer game, and I shall be, I shall be sitting at the Oval, supping a few beers, keeping an eye out on how Brentford might be doing in, in Germany. But you know, actually, more, more happier watching Jason Roy hit a quick, quick hundred, or watching. Um, the Surrey cricketers demolish some poor team, preferably one from West London like Fulham. Anyway, you must know. But lady, you know it's not. It's not about the football match. It's, not, it's about the. It's about the day out and the fact that you actually get to Germany for a couple of nights is going to be brilliant. I didn't listen to a word he said. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but um, I will, what I will say is, please subscribe. It's yeah, whatever. Um, Eighty years ago, this close season Brentford for the first time in the history visited Germany and it was the infamous Nazi salute um, where the Brentford players before a game against Schalke 04 who was a massive game massive team then um, they were coerced into giving the Nazi salute which they, the manager at the time, Harry Curtis, was said we were ho- they were hoodwinked into doing. They did it out of respect, um, and then when it came to God Save the Queen, basically the whole the whole stadium booed, and the uh, the Schalke players didn't reciprocate. And he, and he said he, he, he would never do it again. But um, well, obviously not. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know, I think that that then, then that instigated all, the war broke out exactly after then, yes. and that was exactly how the Second World War started. Of course, no, there's like <laughs> Paul. Um, yeah, I'm sort of 50-50 with the old friendlies. Um, I wouldn't mind going out to Germany. I've been looking into it. Yes, the flights are sort of 20 to £50, pounds, but then everything else on top suddenly starts building it, suddenly starts to become 300 quid, 400 quid. So it's uh, probably out of my uh, price bracket. But I'm sure the, the players will enjoy themselves for five days. The Dutch... I'm pretty ambivalent about friendlies too. When I was a kid, I used to go to all of them. I used to queue up to be first one in there. But it's always the same teams. It was always Luton and Charlton. Borenwood. Borenwood and Kingstonian and stuff. And so they were good. And as I got older, I realised that those results don't mean a thing. I remember, I think, one year we beat Chelsea. And, I remember that. And then I think we lost our first game of the season at home. And think, OK, that doesn't really mean anything. So um, I'm not a big fan, but I love the day outs. Germany sounds interesting. If we want a warm-up game with some goal-scoring practice, perhaps we could play Fulham um, just to get our eye in for the rest of the season. Um, the friendlies today, we've got Kaiserslautern at home, I think, which looks interesting. Um, yeah. They, not playing OG, they, we played OG Nice last season they, as well. They, they, serve, nice they right. serve a purpose. They serve a purpose. When, when was it we beat Tunbridge Angels 10-0? What, what, what season oh, yeah, were that? That's right. We got really Charlie, that's, Charlie McDonald's was still playing for us at that season. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got really excited. We thought ten nil. Yeah. This is this is pretty pretty damn good going. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it might have been. Might have been. Wasn't that when Charlie Madonna also got really excited because he thought he was going to play in every game? And then (laughs) several games later he realised that that was the highlight of his season, I think. (laughs) But there are traditions. I mean, the, the, the fixture against Hampton and now Hampton and Richmond Borough so we play two teams and they so that that's that's like seems to be sort of ingrained in the pre-season friendlies there's a, the Staines match which, which was always part of that and the, there's a Yedding game we always used to play those yeah. at, at Uxbridge they seem to have sort of Slough. Like been like Slough yeah Slough we, we, we lost those games but uh, yeah pre-seasons can be quite good but depends what your expectations are. I think now it's about fitness and just conditioning. Before it was pretty much the only games we were going to win all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, pre-seasons for me. I mean, they've always been. I mean, used to go to pre-season quite a lot, but they were, as you say, they're always quite bizarre. I remember going down to uh, I went to Walton and Hersham one time actually, and uh, I mean, we actually sat on the high jump mats as we <laughs> as we watched the game and drank a beer. It was like quite bizarre. Um, so yeah, it was that kind of experience. I think. We to Adelston as well sometime like you know you used to just go to all these bizarre places and be very excited about seeing your team but for me um we were really gutted because we always obviously there's two pre-season that we always wanted we always wanted to go up to Scotland because our link with Falkirk so we all say come on let's get that link in let's go let's go let's go to Scotland but we never actually got that going on and the other thing that we really wanted to go to is Ireland as well because I've like, heard that people that go pre-season tour of Ireland it's completely an utter carnage it's just quite <laughs> mental <laughs> I thought you were going to say Newport Isle of Wight <laughs> yeah, no, no. Why, why don't we set up a, why don't we set up a friendly with Rangers why you know, so we could show our old we could show our old manager how much the team has come on. Why? <laughs> Nick, you've gone quiet. <laughs> Does anyone else think that's a good idea? What? <laughs> anyway, moving on, Nick. <laughs> Any other pre I have to say that pre-season tour of Leipzig was absolutely brilliant. It really was. I'm just saying to you, it's like the football and that was whatever, but the tour itself and going out and watching Brentford play in these ridiculous little stadia and going out and all the local fans and that, that horrible Leipzig broken down stadium with the fences and all sorts of nonsense that was going on, the players coming out afterwards. That was a real bonding session between the players and the fans and everyone thought there's something really going on with Brentford. That was a very special tour and maybe... Mr. Rob Rowan, who I think we pulled this tour together, is probably thinking maybe we need to reignite that old vibe that we had back then. How many fans did we get for that Billy out of interest? Do you know who went to that game? I think there was, th- there was about three, four hundred fans at one stage that actually went out for, for the for the, for the Staggering, tour. really, isn't it? Absolutely staggering. Yeah. As it says, Brentford fans are so desperate to play in Europe, they go, they'll go to Reichenberg or wherever it is just to get out there. Um, any other any other views of pre-season tours as well, you know, for yourself that you can think of? I, mean, I, I think a pre-season tour is, is a... I mean, I, I like your idea of Ireland or Scotland or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit surprised there's not been a Denmark for Monaco. Of you. you know the, the Mitterland game is, is the one that's not happened. I, I don't, I don't, I don't care to jots like most people about you know about one team or the other. But you know there, there there is a there is a connection. It would be quite nice to see how how we are compared to them. I'm, I'm just out of curiosity. Really. And then I've actually seen Mitterland play in Denmark because I was out there for a week with my son and I decided to go off and see them play. And they gave us a to something. Gave us a very warm welcome. There wasn't that many fans at the away game. It's a Sunday night at six o'clock. There wasn't 
wasn't that many, but they gave us a very warm welcome and they said if you come up to, you know, to where we are at home, it's going to be completely mental. Oh, oh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a football lover. I, I want to see football everywhere, and I would like to. I would like to experience that. I, but what I, what I, my, my point was really, I would like to see the two teams play against each other just to see how they compare. There is a spare Saturday, so we could either play Michelin's or we could have a shooting practice and play Fulham again. <laughs> so look, anyway, pre-season friendlies, look out for it, book up your flights, they're about 5p and Ryanair at the moment now, and you can, it's a Wednesday night. You can get the add-ons with Ryanair. Uh, you don't get add-ons, but you know, just take your own luggage and you'll be fine, you know what I'm saying, but um, you have to take a couple of days off work, if you, if you do work, if you're a student, you're laughing, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we move on. Saturday, final game of the season. 12.30 kickoff. I really actually hate this idea of last game of the season, 12.30. I don't understand why. There must be a reason. It's probably broadcast around the world, internationally, everywhere. Like, you know, so they're getting chichingage. So we have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to get a train up to Huddersfield, which is a good place, Huddersfield, right? And, uh, but it's going to be a good day out. And uh, like I said to you, uh, I think the authorities aren't expecting more than about 50 bees fans. And I think they're going to be very surprised. But there's going to be quite a, quite a raft of bees. He's going up there on Saturday and we're going to have a good crack. But um, Huddersfield, if you remember rightly, they actually sort of kind of pretty much started off Dean Smith's sort of reign. You know, you just, you know, a few matches in. You know, we had the, the, the franchise FC, which came in and we smashed them to pieces. And then Huddersfield came and we absolutely smashed them to pieces as well. And we were thinking the Smith, tip your hat to him, is looking all good for him. And he must have thought this championship, Malarkey, it is very easy. But good things have come around we went down and we've dipped up again and I think you know fingers crossed if Huddersfield play like they did back in December then Dean Smith could go out on a bit of a bang Huddersfield Nick uh, I know that you're looking forward to this game and um, how do you reckon do you think we're going to end up with a bang do you think we're going to experiment what do you think the score is going to be I hope we I hope we don't experiment because I think actually you should finish the season on a high so finish with finish with your best team don't 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 play too many experiments um Two things I can recommend about Huddersfield. One, it's got a very fine statue of Harold Wilson outside the station. Well worth a look, actually, if you go there. In all, in all seriousness, it's one of the best, best statues of a, of a politician that there is in Britain today. And it's a very fine stadium as well. Huddersfield themselves, though, as a football team, well, I mean, they got hammered by Bristol City on Saturday. They lost 4-0 down at Bristol City. And if you lose 4-0 down at Bristol City, you must be really resting on on the beach or if you come from Yorkshire I suppose stuck on the moors somewhere for it I reckon I reckon Brentford let's go all out finish on a high I reckon we could easily get away with a 3-0 victory on Saturday Laney um, early trip for us all on the weekend and meeting up in Herbert's Bar which is mate of ours from Huddersfield he came down and met him in the Globe about six, seven years ago lovely bloke and in the end we became good mates and he's under this bar in, in, in Huddersfield said come on guys just open 9.30 come down there so we're all going to be looking forward to going to the Herbert's Bar on Saturday um, Huddersfield the result is kind of whatever it's all about the day out for us lot isn't it it's for us lot. I think the players have got a little bit more riding on it, which really actually heartens me. I, I, I don't. And what's that? What's riding on it? Well, I, th- I think they, their bonus pays out if they finish tenth or above, and um, I think there's mon- monetary incentives there. Um, for us, there's beer incentives for, for getting there early. I, I, I don't see this 
finishing any other way than a Brentford victory, if I'm being really honest with you. And that's not being complacent. I, th- I think for that reason, Brentford, Brentford players are going to be a, a little bit potty for it. I think forms on our side. I think Hogan will, will play a part, whether it's to start or whether it's to finish. Um, I think there's enough um, invention and enough spirit and enough, uh, enough form in this team to go and give Huddersfield a, a proper drubbing, if I'm honest with you. Um, I, I think it's one of those games, there's absolutely no pressure on Brentford, but there is, and Huddersfield will want to attack us, they, they'll want to they'll wanna give their fans something to sign off on, and I think those games is exactly how, how, how suit us, like MK two weeks ago, where they attack, but they're not good enough to do us any damage, so that when we counter-attack, we do it, and we, we look so good, um, and, and I, I, I really think there's another three goals plus in it for us, if, if, if things if we don't go behind I think I'm just following Nick in saying that I think we should play our strongest team um, you, what you might find is though is uh, Scott Hogan may be uh, starting the game but he might have an ice pack on his head and an ice pack on his thigh and an ice pack on his ankle just to prove Dean Smith wrong <laughs> just to maybe get his little hat trick um, but I can see us getting another hopefully another three points and to finish the season on a, a real high going into next season and, I mean finishing on a high as well is interesting because we talk about fans going up there I mean it's a, it's a bit of a nothing game but Huddersfield to be fair the last two seasons they've been very good to Brentford fans uh, or fans on their prices I think last season it was 10 quid to get in at Huddersfield this season I think it's maybe 22 or 23 quid to get a ticket in as well fairly decent just to let you know I've done a bit of research recently and I've actually researched the prices for every single game this championship I'm going to put it on a little chart put it up on Disposited hopefully by the end of the season but it'll be very easily accessible for you now this season and also next season because we know that next season a lot of people said they might be picking and choosing their games they've done two games uh, two seasons of the championship now and next season they may pick and choose whether or not they go to Ipswich or Nottingham Forest or Borough wherever it may be and you know Fulham and maybe it may be dictated to by the price of the ticket so this will actually really help you to work out you know what they charged last season so you can get an idea because they don't really print the prices too far in advance so it's a good, good, good indication and I just want to let you guys know just a quick question what was the cheapest ticket this season can you remember Rotherham how much 20 Nick uh, can't remember but didn't we pay 15 we paid 15 somewhere didn't we can't remember you're right Bolton Wanderers 15 pounds was the cheapest ticket that we paid and where was the most expensive ticket probably Sheffield Wednesday I should think Ipswich Ipswich Ipswich. I think the well, I've got the cheap. I've got the most expensive as thirty-five pounds at Leeds, but was Sheffield thirty-six? Sheffield was 36. Okay, Sheffield United was thirty-six. Was the most expensive ticket, but I'm going to go back to it. What was the lowest midweek away game that we went to? What was the price? Uh, pass. Again, you're right. Bolton, same one again because it's a Tuesday night. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you're good. No, well, no, it was start of the week. Monday start of the week. Oh yeah. Okay. So month. So yeah. So it's a. Uh, 15 quid for Bolton was the, lo- the lowest midweek price. That was only because it was on TV, wasn't it? Or maybe not. We don't know why the reasons why. Because, you know, coming back to it, though, what was the, the most expensive midweek price? Can you remember? Hull City. Hull City was 22 or 23 quid, I think it was. So, no, it wasn't really Brighton. 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 Brighton was 30 quid, but actually... It was Borough at £32 on a Tuesday night. We went to Borough. So cheers. So, so it, again, it goes to show you that there's no real rhyme or reason as to why or when they just charge. They just 
charge whatever they want to. You know, Sheffield United is still not full, but they still charge 36 quid for people to get in. People are saying they need to do it because they can do because there's like supply and demand, but no, yeah, that's nonsense. Quite a lead, though, with your 34 quid, whatever it is. I'm not sure if we do actually as away fans. No, you know. So anyway, but I was just coming back to that. That'll be up here on the on, on the website at some stage. Very helpful for you fans for you to choose next season. You could do what you want to. You can go to loads. You go to none. You know, that's 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 your choice. But we're just trying to make your life a little bit easier. Coming to the Dutchman now and Huddersfield on Saturday. I can't go against it. Um, I thought you were going to ask me for a prediction there, Billy, because I keep getting them right. Um, I don't think I'll be at Herbert's bar. I have been to Huddersfield before drinking with plenty of Herbert's in other bars, that's for sure. And never used to be one of my favourite away grounds, but it sounds like it's improved um, a little bit. I hope we play a strong team. I think we will play a strong team, bonus or otherwise. Um, I think we're destined to finish this season on a high, and I would imagine a comfortable but pretty dull 2 0 bees win. Indeed, and the Dutchman, I'm going to go with you there as well. 2 0 to the mighty, mighty bees up at Huddersfield, which is all good. But look, we're looking forward to this last game of the season. We're going to have one more podcast for you, just to let you know next week. Um, one more final podcast. We're trying to work out the format of it because we're trying to get everyone in, all our guests and everyone, to sit in a pub, drink lots of beer and talk nonsense for an hour and a half. So that might be a bit of a laugh. I'm not quite so, sure. So what's, so what's new? What's the change? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So we're going to try and do that. And, 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 and like I said to you, we don't know the format of it. We want to try and lighten up a little bit. Just have some jokes, have some laughs. We might do some top ten this or people have named their favourite underpants or something like that so uh, you know so we'll, we're going to go for that for next week so it should be a lot of fun then after that we're going to stop the podcast unless we can come up with another point or, for, or, for, or we might not yeah we might not we might come up with something which is completely and utterly not Brentford related at all and we could might just do something different we don't know as yet we could do, we could do one on cricket bill no interest um, but anyway so look so this is the, listen this is the besotted Pride of West London podcast we're coming from the one over the eight pub which is basically where Brentford were formed here on the river in Kew beautiful pub taking care of us very very nicely I'm here with my mates my pals probably my last drinking session bar one before we have a little break and then we come back and have some more pre-season mid-season middle of season podcast as well I'm here with Mr Nick the liberal Nick Carthew who's very nervous but he's going to get a politician in the frame on Thursday but by by basically sort of kind of buying a load of votes from people and stuff like that. No, actually, that's no, not fair. No, 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 we do not break the financial fair play regulations. Dear Electoral Commission, we're all honest and above board, unlike certain football clubs. Oh, sorry. And sorry. That's sorry. That, and that's why you won't win. Yes, no, 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 And I'm here with Mr Dave Lane. Dave Lane, how are you? Yeah, I'm looking forward to a close season, if I'm honest with you, but I'm looking forward to Huddersfield, where we will win by four goals to one. Yeah. Mr. Bryars, Paul Bryars of the Wanderer, Paul, Mr. Paraphernalia Man, tell me, you know, you're all good. Did you enjoy your first podcast? Yeah, it was uh, very interesting. Good to meet everyone again as well. Good. And also, tell us where you can find your stuff. Where is it? You know, tell us where it is. All over. Auction houses, online, eBay. What's the, what's the, what's the link? Uh, BrentfordMemorabilia.com BrentfordMemorabilia.com Remember that one? Go down there, buy loads of memorabilia. The geezers are done, as I'm saying. And also, the Dutchman. Listen, it's good to have you here again. Uh, always a pleasure. Love doing these with you guys. It's been a, an interesting season. 
Um, looking forward to next week's finale. Um, we perhaps ought to go back through all the podcasts and go through the predictions and see if any of us got any of them right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should do, yeah. yeah. We can give that task to, uh, to Nick because he has... He, yeah, he's so, he's so, he'll be so used to counting things up by Thursday. But listen, Pride of West London podcast, guys, looking forward to getting on that train to Huddersfield on Saturday and going to Herbert's Bar and having lots of beers and seeing Brentford win about 24-0. But what we can say before that is... Come on, you bees! Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.